to turn uh, to Revelation once again. We're going to be reading chapters 14 and 15 today. So when you find your place, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures, and before the elders... No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes, these who have been redeemed from mankind as firstfruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people, and he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Another angel, a second following, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all the nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night, these worshippers of the beast in its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud seated on the cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Then another angel came out from the altar, the angel who has authority over the fire, and he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, Put in your sickle and gather the cluster from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the great harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and the blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image, and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass, with harps of God in their hands, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened, and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with seven plagues clothed in pure, bright linen with golden sashes around their chest. 
And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Reading the word of God. You may be seated. Before we dive into all that's going on, thank you, sweetie. Before we dive into all that's going on there, I want to do a little recap of kind of the events in Revelation because there's so much going on and there's there's a lot that, that we, we get from the prophet Daniel and others that, that tell us of these events. So I should have some slides behind me to kind of um, give you an idea of what's going on here, but I'll read through them. Uh, first will be the rapture of this, the church. This can happen at any any point in time. It could happen today. It could happen in two years. We, we don't know... The, the time of this, but we, we know all the prophetic signs say it is imminent. The rapture of the church is not the beginning of the tribulation. We need to understand this clearly. When, when we talk about the rapture, John, the apostle, expected the rapture. The apostle Paul expected the rapture. This is something every believer is to expect in their lifetime. There is nothing from the beginning of the ascension of Christ till now that would stop the rapture from happening. Amen. What starts the the seven-year tribulation is the, the peace treaty that Israel will sign with the Antichrist. That will that If you want to do your countdown, that is when you do the countdown. Then we see the fourth beast that Daniel the prophet describes. The revived Roman Empire begins to bring into control a one-world government. The ecclesiastical Babylon then takes place a one-world religion in league with the Antichrist. We spoke about this a little bit last week. That the, the world will seem to be very angry at Christians because Christians say there is but one way and that is Jesus Christ. While all the other religions say you can have whatever way you want as long as you agree with, agree with us. I want to remind you that at this point the church has been lifted to heaven in the rapture. So it, you can imagine it will not be very hard for them to institute a one world religion without the Holy Spirit and the saints getting in the way. We see the beginning of the, the seal judgments where Christ takes the scroll and opens the seven seals. We see the 144,000 Messianic Jews are sealed. These are the ones who will go into the, all the earth and proclaim the gospel during the tribulation. We see the trumpet judgments. We see the two witnesses who prophesied for three and a half years. They are then murdered by the Antichrist and raised to life on the third day and ascend directly into heaven. Michael appears on the earth and sea, declares that there will be no more delay. And then he leads an angelic army against Satan and his, and his armies, the demons. Satan and all these fallen angels are cast out of heaven forever. Amen? Amen. You have no more accuser in heaven when this happens. Satan responds by persecuting Israel and the believers. This is the point where the covenant by the Antichrist that was signed is broken. He also sits now on a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem and declares himself to be God. This is known as what Daniel spoke of and Jesus spoke of, the abomination that causes desolation. This is the sin that, that must be dealt with immediately. There is, there is no grace given for this sin. There is an attempt that is made on the anthro Christ's life, which leaves him um, to what appears to be a mortal wound, and, and many people will believe he has died. And so they will see a resurrection of sorts, a, a false resurrection. Talked of, we've talked about how Satan loves to counterfeit he cannot provide you anything genuine, so he, he gives a counterfeit of, of what God has done. Three of the ten kings are killed, and with their deaths, the other seven give full authority over to the Antichrist. It is that at this point in time, you could say there is a one-world government, and the Antichrist is the head. 
you know, as, and as that is where we are in our study of Revelation. So I want to just give you a recap, understand where, where we are, where we're going. There's two things here that, that we read in the verses that we've read today that I want us to understand properly this portion of scripture. There's a, a temple in heaven. It's great and it's glorious. And then we, we re read about last last week the mark of the beast. I'm going to go into much more detail. But I, I wanted you to see that, that Jesus has conquered. He is standing on, on the mountain with his saints who have been sealed by the seal of God. You know, the seal of God versus the this seal of, or the mark of the beast. You'll, you'll see these two in contrast with each other. But first of all, Revelation 15 tells us and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothing pure, bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. We can see this beauty and this formality, this pageantry that is going on in heaven. And we, we see they, they have a very similar uh, appearance than, than to what uh, John gives to Jesus in chapter 1. And, and it's pretty clear why this is. These are angels who represent Jesus Christ. They are going out and with them the seven final Plagues where the wrath of God will be complete. You know, and it is the Lamb's wrath that, that is being poured out. And, they, and their task is a holy task. This, well, the errand that they are giving is, is a righteous task. We, we often talk about the wrath of God, and, and we drudge for our families or friends <laughs> having to go through that wrath. But if, if in the reality, we will get to a point when we stand before God. And we will hear those commands given. And we will rejoice and we will sing songs of worship and we will say amen. And if we're honest, we all deserve that wrath. Every single one of us. But for the grace of God, we do not have to suffer that wrath. For all those that have repented genuinely in their heart and have placed faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So we, we see this, this temple in heaven. And we'll, we'll read much, much more about this temple in the, in the coming chapters. But what I want you to know is that when, when Christ returns and there is a new heaven and a new earth that is established, New Jerusalem is sent down as a wedding gift by the Father. And we'll talk much more about the wedding gifts, the wedding in uh, the weeks to come. But Christ, when he is on earth in New Jerusalem, he is our temple. There will be no need to go to a temple because we have Christ. And so the temple that, that they speak of is a temple that is in heaven. And a day will come where we have our glorified bodies and, and we, we can ascend and descend just as Christ has and go and, and visit the Father. That's the Shekinah glory that they're talking about that, that is filling the presence. But, but during this period in time when the angels are pouring out the wrath, the temple is closed to everyone until God's wrath is complete. And that is what we see here. And we, we witness... Um, you know, and, and like I said, Revelation 13, the mark of the beast. There are, there are many uh, things that people like to know about Revelation. The mark of the beast is usually really high up there. What is it? You know, how do I avoid getting the mark of the beast? First, I want to be really clear. You cannot accidentally get the mark of the beast. The mark is something you get in response to worship of the Antichrist. This is, um, you know, I'll talk about some technology here in just a minute. But this is not something you're going to accidentally go... Forgive me, God, I didn't realize this was the mark of the beast. You will fully realize that this is the mark, and that by doing this, you're doing it to spare your own life, for the Antichrist will take it if you do not. But at the same time, doing so, you realize that you're denying that the one who is God. And so just like 
God has offered us salvation. Amen? Amen. When, when you get the mark of God on you, that is the, the Holy Spirit has sealed you, you have been offered eternal life. Salvation is yours. Amen. But the mark that Satan offers does not offer you salvation. It offers you slavery. And we, we in the scripture are clear that you will not be able to buy or sell unless you take the mark. You know, a lot of people like, like to think about ways they could get around this. There's not going to be any getting around this. A singular world religion with a singular world government with a singular world leader. You know, I'll have them go ahead and put the next, next slide up. I'll talk a little bit about the, the mark here. There, there have been many uh, theories, and I'll, I'll put this one up there with, to me, it was probably the most logical one. You ever heard of a company called Verichip? Have you ever gone to the, the vet and they say, you know, we can microchip your cat, and if they run away, we can find it. That, that was founded by Verichip. It's now known as, a, it's been rebranded as Positive ID because, you know, too many blogs are out there about the evil of Verichip. The technology in itself is not evil, and in fact, you all carry it in your pocket right now. That's why you got the little credit card up, up behind me. That little microchip that's in the corner, that's the same microchip that they put in the animals. The same microchip, if you go to Disney World and put the bracelet on and swipe in, all it does is, is, is there's information on there that, that it's allowed to read. So what the, the credit card microchip does is it says this is your bank account, or this is your credit card info, it's got your balance on it, how, how much you're allowed to purchase, and so you go to the store and it's got a, a frequency that the, the, the reader at the store can pick up and then you pay for your groceries, whatever you want to buy. Having this in your pocket doesn't mean you have the mark of the beast. You know, I, mean, I want to be real clear about that. But what Verichip and these companies like this are starting to do is saying, okay, there's a lot of people, start over in Europe, there's a lot of people that, that go to, to bars and they, they want to drink. And, and sometimes they, they don't want to have to worry about having their purse stolen or things like that. So what did this great company come up with? They said, well, let's put a microchip in your right hand. And that way when you go to the bar, they can just swipe it and send you a bill at the end of the month. That happened over 12 years ago. This is not something new. Down in Florida right now, their medical system allows you to voluntarily get a computer chip in your hand for medical reasons, for medical records, so that if I, as an epileptic, go into a seizure, the, the ambulance that pulls up could scan my hand, they could see that I have epilepsy in, in my entire medical history. And there's a lot of positive applications. I give them that. You know, if you have Alzheimer's or dementia and your loved one tends to escape and wander around and you don't know where they are, it not only provides information, but it provides a tracking device for the satellites. All this is being introduced and being introduced as a, a good thing for society. You know, we, we see it being introduced for the military, for applications if a soldier gets captured and becomes a POW, they would know the precise place that they are. And if you were one of those that's a POW, I think you would embrace the, your government knowing where you are so they could come and free you. But what happens if this becomes something sinister? What happens if, if somebody were to take that? I'd like you to go to the next slide now, please. We all know the, the mark of the beast, the 666 that we all talk about. On the back of a credit card, you'll have your 16 digits, your place for your signature, and then you have a, a security code off to the right. What I believe will happen is that when the Antichrist rises to power and demands to be worshipped, there will be places, much like this one, that are set up where there will be an image of the beast where you come and you offer worship. In exchange for your worship, your security code will be changed for a period of time till 666. 
which will allow you to go to your grocery store or places and buy and sell food. What scripture is clear on is that if you do not have this, this mark, you will not be able to buy or sell. There will be no way around it. In India, a few years ago, uh, the government was trying really hard to combat the, the drug problem and the gangs and all that's going on there. So without telling their citizenry, overnight they declared that all denominations above their, what's equivalent to their $20 bill are void. People became bankrupt overnight in this move. And you and I, we, we trust in our money. We, we got our money in the bank of things, but it would take overnight somebody could say, you know what, that currency is no longer valid. It happens every, about every 20 years in Mexico. They, they, they devalue the current currency and put up a new type of currency to, to help fight uh, drug-related problems. And we could very easily see this being implemented, saying, you know what, we need to get rid of cash because that's what the drug dealers use. And we need to go to a, a computerized form so that we can track transactions and purchases to, to stop this illegal behavior. And you and I will, will shake our heads and be like, we will never allow that to happen. But the world will. Because the world wants to stop the drugs. But, and as do we. But we also understand the, the downside to all of this. And so th there have been many other options. And I'm not saying this is a foolproof, this is what it's going to be. But th there are many, many options out there. there. There's some that claim that it simply means that there'll be a writing on your forehead similar to the bandana that the ISIS members and other uh, terrorist groups have, you know, giving credit to Allah and things like that. Um, but what we do know is, in John's day, there was a leader named Nero. He was the emperor of the Roman Empire. If you were to take his name and translate it into Hebrew, Hebrew's letters were off of their math. In English, we have letters and numbers. They didn't have numbers. Their, their equivalent of their A, Aleph, would equal 1, and their B would be 2, and the first 10 numbers equal 10 digits, and then the 11th number equal 20, and then 30, and 40, and so on, and, until you, you got to where you got. So if you were to take it, and I believe this is John's purpose here, if you were to take it, realize this is the number of a man. And you could take his name and see the 666 there. Now, I don't necessarily know if John wants us to take somebody's name today, as many conspiracy people like to do, and say, okay, you know, they do it with every single president we've ever had. They're like, oh, this person's, uh, I remember Reagan, they, they said, well, he's got six letters in his first name, six in his middle, six in his last, he's the Antichrist. Reagan's not the Antichrist, he's... He's dead and gone on to heaven now. He, he's not the Antichrist. Nor, nor was Obama, nor is Trump. The, re, the reality is, I think what John, John is trying to tell us here is that the leader of the Roman Empire in his day was Nero. And his number was 666. And he's saying, watch out for the revived Roman Empire. And the one who leads it, he is the Nero of his day. And well, what, what did Nero do? He built the statues. And if you came and got the statues, you were given a certificate for that week. And with that certificate, you could go and buy and sell goods. But if you did not have that certificate, you went hungry. And your family went hungry. And Roman soldiers could stop you on the side of the road and demand to see your certificate of worship. And you know what was the penalty for not having it on you? Instantaneous death. Understand what, what is coming for the world is you will worship the Antichrist or you will face death. And this is a real problem that the early church faced. And you know what happened? Many of them denied Christ so that they could feed their bellies. I wonder if we face that today, what would our response be? Would we gladly take the sword to the throat? 
or we would provide for our families. It's not easy to think about. It's not easy to ponder. And thank God you don't have to worry about it. Amen? Amen. If you've placed your faith in Christ, you will be raptured and will not have to worry about the Antichrist. You won't have to worry about Satan. You won't have to worry about the mark of the beast or any of that. Because you have already been redeemed. But we have friends, relatives, neighbors, loved ones, even enemies who do not know Christ. I would have ISIS and those that, that kill Christians around the world come to know Christ before they see their death. Because they do it out of ignorance and hatred. They need Christ just as much as you and I have needed Christ. And as we continue and go on in these passages, we see one that is called like the Son of Man who's sitting on a cloud and he's got a sickle. Who do you suppose that could be? Who's called the Son of Man? It's Jesus. It's real clear. It's, it's, that's John's phrase. If you go to the Gospel of John, who, who is always referenced as the Son of Man? Jesus. Now this, is, this was John's term for Jesus. He is the Son of Man. He, he's pointing to both his humanity as a descendant of Adam, a descendant of David, one who will save his people from his sins, as, as recorded in his Gospel. Behold the Lamb of God. But he also points to his divinity. Of all the Gospels, John points to, to Christ as God more than anything else. And, it, and it's given to him to bring about the harvest. And with his sickle, he reaps a harvest of the saints. And we see him standing on a mountain, and, and they're singing a great song. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Amen. They're, they're given harps, which were... Kind of the modern-day guitars, you know, we don't see too many people playing a harp these days. But that was the common instrument. That is what King David played. That was the stringed instrument of the day. We have beautiful pianos and organs we get to play today. But in their day, it was the harp. It was they were given a musical instrument by God to sing songs to God Almighty. And I don't mean to beat you up when, when we don't sing very loud, but I want you to truly worship. Understand why we come together the Lion and the Lamb, Jesus Christ, is coming again. He has already conquered. He has won. He is victorious. Amen. All these things that we read about in Revelation that Satan does, that the whole world is... I know Christians who are afraid to open this book and read Revelation. Why? I told you many times, it's the very first book I ever read. He wins. We win in the end. Amen. There's a new heaven and a new earth. All our tears are wiped away. There's no more sadness, no more death. Tell me a greater book. Amen. And Jesus Christ is victorious. We are victorious with him. We get to reign and rule with him. We get to worship him. We get to worship the Father and the Holy Spirit. And that is what we are seeing here. Every attempt that Satan makes, every move he makes, God already has a counter move. Psalm 2 declares, the one who is in heaven sits and laughs. When men make plans against him. Amen. When the world tries to come up with ways to, to get rid of God's people, to get rid of Christians, or in World War II, to get rid of the apple of his eye, the Jewish people. God was in heaven laughing. Satan did his worst. He killed millions of people. But what happened? At the end of the World War II, there was this country called Israel. It hadn't been in 2,000 years. God has a plan. He's singing it to his end. We may not understand every single detail, and I don't, I don't uh, pretend to 
to tell you to, to dive down into Revelation, try to understand every exact detail. But above all, what you need to know is that Christ is victorious. Amen. That when, if we face these things today, if our government were to say, you know what, if you have any cash on you, it's now obsolete. That, you know, any, any hope that you've put in money, do not worry. God will provide for you. Trust God. That is, that is the ultimate message of the gospel is to, to trust God that he will provide. How much more value are you than the birds of the air? Amen. They neither sow nor reap. They don't have a 401k that they stockpile money in. But God provides for them. Amen. There's never been a, a Christian that, I, that I've, I've heard of that, that starves to death because God did not provide for them. I've seen it over and over. God provides you know, the problem is we, we, we don't look to God and say, God, I, I want you to provide for my needs. We, we tend to go to God and say, God, I want you to provide for all my wants. I, you know, I, I want that nice car. I want that big house in a good side of town. I don't want to have to live where, you know, people are hurting and I might have to actually do some ministry. You know, you know what bugged me about the, the meeting with the mayor? You know, it was a wonderful meeting and there was over 90 pastors that showed up, but they acknowledged that there's Pastor Randy at the Warehouse Church calls for a prayer meeting with the pastors every uh, every month. And the highest attendance has ever been, very similar to our prayer meetings, was 19. They had 19 pastors show up out of well over three, 400 pastors. And they said, well, why is it that a political official could get more people to come together? You know, we, we're not here to serve political people. Christ has called us to come together and to do his ministry. You know, we should be excited to do it. You know, the, the things of EBS and things like that, where we reach out to those kids to offer them hope of Jesus Christ. We should desire to do that always. That should be, we shouldn't have to, to ask and, and plead like, hey, you guys want to volunteer? We should be having to say, you know, we have too many volunteers. Let's, let's plug you in over here. But in the, in the American church, we've kind of fallen asleep if we are honest with ourselves. We've become lethargic and we're just going through the motions. And the problem is, is we live life as like Christ is not coming back. You know, many of us assume we will see death in this life. Many of us take for granted that Christ is coming. Amen. Like, well, yeah, Christ will come one day. No, not one day. There is a day that Christ is coming and we should rejoice and be preparing for that, living our lives as if this were that day. Because you don't know the hour. No one does, except for the Father. If this were that day, would you be ready? Amen. I pray you're ready. We see with these seven angels that the that the final judgments of God are coming down. That the full wrath of God will be done. And when we talk about the, the harvest of the world and we see another angel that comes out and he's got a sickle and he takes all those who do not belong to God all those whose names are not in the, the Lamb's Book of Life. What is the imagery that John uses here? Puts them in the wine press of the wrath of God. Has anybody ever seen a wine press? As it goes around and squishes the grapes until they are nothing but liquid. That is the imagery it's giving here. And it goes on and it gets very uh, descriptive. It talks about the blood of these that have denied Christ. Being up to the the, the horse's bridle. And it gives you this, this uh, 1,260, I uh, forget the word, but it, 
but what it's talking about is a measurement that they would use. So I want to put it in kind of our terms. How far do you think this blood would go? Think of how tall a horse is. You know, was standing on the stage. Got one out on the front there. You can stand by if you want to get an imagination. But your average horse will be about up to here. That's how high the blood is. The measurement that they use would be, imagine that you're next to the horse. You could choose any direction you want. Drive for three, three hours going 60 miles per hour in your car. That entire time you'd be driving through blood. That is a lot of blood. Yes, I know it's gross and gruesome to think about. But understand that these are people who have rejected God, rejected Jesus Christ, have mocked his bride. Man, what would, what would you do if someone mocked your bride? What would you do if somebody... Absolutely, Kevin. <laughs> if somebody mocked your bride, slapped her in the face, called her a whore. That is what they've been doing to the church. And understand what the church is. It is the bride of Christ. Amen. And he is coming back and he will deal with all who have belittled his bride. All who have called his bride all kinds of names. Especially those who have laid hands on his bride. He will deal with them as any husband would. So we may look at this as being gruesome. But at the same time, a day will come in your heart where you will say, Yes, Lord, and Amen. Deal with those who have denied you. Deal with those who have mocked you. Who refuse to allow us to worship you. Who put our brothers and sisters to death all over the world. So far in 2017, there's been over 100,000 Christians put to death for their faith. We don't see it in America. Yet. The reality is that that the world is getting worse and worse. But this is prophesied about that it would get worse, that it would be worse than the days of Noah. Noah's days were pretty bad. There was one preacher, his name was Noah, and no one repented, and the earth was dealt with. Just as it was dealt with the water, then it will be dealt with by fire by Christ. Amen. But the good and the great news is at the very end of this, that Christ returns. That there's a new heaven set up and a new earth. And there is no more sin. In fact, there is no more night, no more darkness. Not just symbolically, but literally Christ is the light of the world. Amen. We are looking forward today. We should long for that day. As we go forward, we celebrate this week with Independence Day. I want us to, to remember how our independence as Christians came. It came through the death on the cross. Now there's a uh, passage here that's and a question that we should ask ourselves. For, for whatever reason, if you have not repented and you find yourself living in the tribulation, or if you have family or friends who want to know, you know what, you know, what if this is true? How will I survive? And yeah, I know people that they tell me, well, tell me what to do if this really happens, and then I'll repent. I, I, I feel very sorry for them. The reality is there is one way to conquer the beast, the Antichrist. What does Scripture say? You conquer the beast by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And the testimony of the saints. When's the last time you've given a testimony? When's the last time you've shared the gospel? That is what it's talking about. It is great and wonderful that Christ has died for me. And that I am now covered by the blood. And I don't have to worry about hell or death or Satan. But I get to rejoice in God that he's offered me eternal life. But he's also given me a cross to bear. 
to follow Him daily. And part of that is to share the gospel. How loving of a brother to you would I be? Or <coughs> how much of a servant of Christ would I be if I received with genuine repentance and faith in His death and resurrection, but then I never shared the gospel? That I didn't tell anyone else that they could have eternal life. That they don't have to go through this life, living a meaningless life, working day after day, saving up and making money for stuff they can't take with them. Understand how the saints overcome during the tribulation. By the power of the blood and by the testimony of the saints. If you claim Christ, you are a saint. You are to share your testimony. My testimony, I can share with you and I can share with all those that God gives me. But there's people in your life that will never come to this church. There's people in your life that God has given you the testimony to share with them. I may never meet them this side of glory. Similar to what the mayor was saying, you know, he does not feel that he could change the city of Aurora on his own. He said, I, he said, I feel like a pastor of a church, and I'm the only one working. The reality is the entire church is supposed to be working. The pastor is there to equip the saints so they can share the gospel. And last week we had over 75 people here. That's 75 people that have a testimony to God to share with this world. Not just one or two or three. Not just the pastors and the deacons and the preachers, the trustees. But everyone has a testimony. We all do, regardless of how young you are or how old you are. Share your testimony. You'll be amazed at how it can change the world. I saw with Papa Tom at his passing, I saw the testimony of his life, how it affected his grandchildren. They're now going to church. Amen. Not because of me, but because of the testimony. The power of the Holy Spirit. Understand, God is able to use any situation, any circumstance. You may say, I don't have that great of a testimony. You know what? You have a testimony given by God. It is greater than you think. Amen. Do not be afraid to use it. That's right. Amen. So when you're at the fireworks shows or at your family get-togethers this week, share with them why it's important that we celebrate our freedom. Freedom as a country, yes, but freedom in Christ. Amen? Amen. Please pray our Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for that freedom, Lord. I pray you be with us and watch over us, Lord. I thank you that we can trust you now. We can bend the knee now and don't have to worry about the horrific things the enemy will try that we read in Revelation. But we also give you praise, Lord, that we know you have conquered. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah, Lord. You are the one that will crush the head of the serpent, our old enemy, Satan. I thank you, Jesus, that that you are who you are, that your righteousness is placed on us, Lord, and that when God looks at us, as our brother George Washington said, our sin is removed and it is as far as the east is from the west. Be with us now, Lord Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Amen. As we get ready to play the music, I want, if there's anyone here who has not trusted Christ, who has not placed their faith in Him, know you can come down now and I will pray with you. There's not, there's not a, a magic or anything supernatural about the altar where you kneel. There's nothing about the words, but it's the repentance of your heart. And you place your faith in Christ. You have truly been set free. Amen.